0: Welcome to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. As you grab your seat, would you grab your Bibles as well? And let's find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter six. We have been making our way through the book of Nehemiah. We took a break from it last week as we talked through Romans chapter one. But this morning, this is our ninth message as we have preached through uh, the book of Nehemiah. We've entitled the series that we have been preaching through against all And without a doubt, if you know what is happening in the life of Israel, certainly this accomplishment that is about to happen of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem was against all odds. After returning to Jerusalem, following some 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the Jews have made their way, a small portion of them made their way back into Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Ezra, they have rebuilt the temple. But the walls of the city of Jerusalem still laid in ruin. And there's a fellow by the name of Nehemiah that lives over in what was the Babylonian Empire that became the Persian Empire. He is working as the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah's got it made. Nehemiah is in like Flynn, if you will, with the king. He doesn't desire for anything. He has an audience with a power that most people would long to have. And Nehemiah didn't need anything. But one afternoon, his brothers came by. And they began to tell him about the plight of the people there in Jerusalem. His brothers began to share with him about how the temple had been restored, but the walls were still in rubbles. And the gates had been burned with fire. And Nehemiah tells us over in chapter one that when he heard this, his heart was greatly grieved for the land of his fathers. And Nehemiah began to pray and he began to fast and he began to talk to the Lord about the difficulty that the people in Jerusalem were facing because these walls being in rubbles would cause them to have little to no security. Other cities around them, other countries around them could come in and just absolutely dominate them. And Nehemiah began to pray about how he might get involved. And through this prayer he finds himself with a deep desire and a calling on his life to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild these walls. He talks to the king about it. And he not only gets permission from the king, but the king even gives him some of the material that he would need to rebuild the wall. He arrives in Jerusalem, spends a few nights after traveling some three months, 750 miles. He views the walls at night, and he sees what needs to be done. He rallies the people of God, and man, they get on the same page, and that's a miracle in and of itself, amen? Amen. (laughs) When, When all the people of God get on the same page and they are in unity one with another and through the first five chapters of Nehemiah, you'll see that the people were together, the people were together, the people were together, the people were together and they had a mind to work. And Nehemiah is going to initiate the process of rebuilding this wall. Well, anything worth doing does not come without some opposition. And Nehemiah encountered some opposition. We met some guys a couple of chapters ago that we're going to meet again this morning. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. These guys were furious when they heard that the walls were being rebuilt. They were governors of the other cities around the area, and a strong Jerusalem would weaken their influence in the region. And so they did not desire that there be a strong Jerusalem because that would impact their power. And so they came against the people of God. They, they tried to make fun of them to cause them to quit. They tried to intimidate them to cause them to quit. But Nehemiah says we didn't quit because we had a mind to work. But if the enemy is anything, the enemy is persistent. And here in chapter six this morning, the enemy shows up again. And the enemy wants to do one thing, and that is to put a stop to the work of God. And Nehemiah is going to once again demonstrate for us how we can respond when the enemy comes along for us and says, just quit, it's not worth it. Or what we'll really discover is when the enemy whispers in your ear something that doesn't seem like a big deal, but his attempt to distract you is also an attempt to destroy you. An attempt to distract the church is an attempt to destroy the church. And Nehemiah is going to show us this morning how we cannot quit. And I want to preach this morning on this subject, finish the job. Finish the job. Let's stand together and read beginning in Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. Let me just say thank you so much for coming this morning. What a great crowd on a 1030 service. And I pray God would speak to you this morning. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart as your pastor, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being in the house of God. There's something that happens here that doesn't happen when we watch it online. And I ain't mad at the people watching it online because many of us travel, many of us are shut in and we have to. But I'm telling you, there's just something that happens when God's people are together that doesn't happen when we're spread apart. And I just want to tell you, thank you for being here. Nehemiah chapter six. Are you ready? Let's try that again. Nehemiah chapter six. Are you ready? I like that guy. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem Sent unto me saying, come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should I leave the work or why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Heavenly Father, as we walk through these few verses this morning, I do pray, Heavenly Father, that you would challenge us from your word, change us, Heavenly Father. Lord, no doubt there's some here this morning that are ready to throw in the towel may be ready to throw in a towel on a calling you've put on their life, throw in the towel on their marriage, throw in the towel on some relationships that you have created. And Lord, I pray that 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 you have called us to, we'd be faithful to finish the job. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the Barcelona Olympics of 1992, Derek Redmond was a British runner. Derek Redmond had the ability to win a gold medal. And in the Barcelona Olympics of 1992, he thought this was his chance. And in the semi final run, he's coming out of the third turn of the 400 meter sprint. And he feels something pop in the back of his right leg. And his right hamstring essentially exploded. And he fell face first down on the track there in Barcelona. He got to his feet and when they asked him about getting to his feet, he said it almost felt like an animal instinct that when you go down, you try to get up. He was in excruciating pain, but he did not leave the track. As a matter of fact, he never even left his lane. And the medical personnel came to him trying to assist him. And Derek Redmond started hopping on one foot, trying to finish the race. It wasn't very long, if you've probably seen this on video, there's a guy that comes running out onto the track. It's a guy by the name of Jim Redmond. It's Derek's father. Derek's father, Jim, puts his arm around him and says, son, what do you want to do? He said, I want to finish. And so with his head in his father's shoulder, Derek Redmond hopped across the finish line. And he would later say, when I was at my lowest my father came along, and because of him, I finished the race. Man, you could preach right there for a long time. You've got a father that loves you. His name's Jesus. The Bible tells us he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll be there. And you may, have felt like, you may feel like in life that you have, you have pulled a hammy. You may feel like in life you have fallen face first on the track. But I want you to know there's a loving father that will come by. He'll pick you up, he'll dust you off, and he'll say, let's keep going, and let's finish the race. And this morning, I want us to consider to finish the job, because Nehemiah is going to express for us and show us exactly how to do that. If you're taking notes, number one, I see Nehemiah's assignment. Nehemiah's assignment, in the middle of verse one, Nehemiah makes this statement, I had builded the wall. Now I think if we interviewed Nehemiah, he would say, I completely understand that I didn't do that by myself. I completely understand that there was one much larger than I that was overseeing this project. There was one much bigger than I that was helping us to finish this job. And we know now that the wall is finished other than the hanging of the gates on the wall. And Nehemiah knew that he couldn't accomplish all of that by himself. And as I consider Nehemiah's assignment, I want you to notice, first of all, it was a sovereign assignment. It was a sovereign assignment. Remember back in chapter one, in my introduction, I talked about the fact that his brothers came by and began to tell him of the difficulties that were there in Jerusalem. And in chapter one in verse three, he says this, and they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Verse 4 says, it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven... And then there's a key verse in chapter 2 and verse 12 that says this. And I rose in the night and some few men with me, neither told I any man, watch this, neither told I any man what my, what, what my, what God had put in my heart to do. Nehemiah says, let me tell you who got me into this thing. God Almighty got me into this thing. He was the one that called me to this work. He is the one that has given me this assignment. And because it is him that has given me this assignment, I'm not going to quit. I am going to stay the course. I am going to finish the job because I've been given a sovereign assignment by God Almighty. A sovereign God had called him to this this task. If I was honest with you, there are days in my own life like days likely that Nehemiah experienced. Days of discouragement, days of doubt. Next month, this is absolutely incredible to me, but next month Stacy and I will celebrate 10 years here at Mount Pisgah. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years. In some ways, it feels like it's been 10 days. In other ways, I feel like I've been here my entire life because in some ways, I really have. But even the preacher can find himself in a place of discouragement. And I can have from time to time, I don't have them often, but I do have them from time to time, what I call a PPP. You know what a PPP is? It's called a preacher pity party. And I just get to feeling down and out. And you begin to ask yourself questions, are you really making a difference? I begin to think about some of the difficulty that my own family has walked through since I surrendered to this ministry. I think about some of the tough days we've had. And there are days I wonder then i'm reminded i didn't call myself into this i'm reminded of february the 13th 2010 we're sitting in my office at 147 red maple circle i didn't tell this to the first service because they can't handle it y'all more spiritual than they are so they can handle y'all can handle this but can can i just i mean just be real with you for a minute. February the 13th of 2010, I'm sitting in my office, reading the book of James. And I've been dealing with a call to ministry for a while. And I really, I'll be honest with you, I just didn't want to do it. I was chasing the American dream. Man, that's what I wanted to do. And I came across love, not the world, nor the things in it. And God said to me, You're chasing after all the things of this world. And if you'll chase after me first, you'll find out that Matthew 6 33 is true. That if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. And the Holy Ghost of God sat down in that little office that night. Now, here's the part I I couldn't tell at the first service it got so thick in there. I'm by myself in my office. It got so thick in there that I knew that the Holy Ghost had sat down in there. I laid out prostrate on the floor. And I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what this is going to look like. But here I am. My prayer is Isaiah's prayer. Lord, here I am, send me. And I didn't know how it was going to work out. And I didn't know we would walk through some of the valleys that we'd walk through. And when we walked through some of those valleys, I didn't walk through them alone. My sweet family didn't walk through them alone. And there were days of discouragement. And there were days of doubt. But I find myself when I get there, going all the way back to February the 13th, 2010, that I didn't call myself into this. God called me into it. And I got a big boss. Amen. Amen? And, And he has given me this assignment. Hey, Dad. You've been given an assignment too. We as fathers, we've been given an assignment by the sovereign. This this ain't some some weak assignment. Hey, dad, you've been given an assignment. Hey, husband, we've been given an assignment. How are we doing? Are there days we feel discouraged and defeated and feel like we're not leading well? Join the club. But you've been given an assignment. And it's our job to finish what we've been assigned to. Anybody can quit. Anybody can quit, right? I don't want to preach my whole message right there, but anybody can quit. Nehemiah realized that the sovereign king of the universe had gotten him into this. Whatever he's called you to, he will equip you to finish. It's a significant assignment. It's not only a sovereign assignment, it is a significant assignment. Notice what he says in verse three. We'll come back to these adversaries in just a moment, but notice what he says in verse three. I sent messengers unto them after they had invited me to come down to the plains of no! no, oh no and I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yes, it was a sovereign assignment, but it's a significant assignment. Now, Nehemiah says, I'm doing a great work. And when the sovereign gives you an assignment, it is a significant work. And the assignment that we believe God has given us as a corporate body here is to to take on the task of building this new children's building. Is it a significant assignment? You better believe it is. But every one of us have been given a significant assignment. Hey, dads, you've been given a significant assignment. Hey, husbands, you've been given a significant assignment. Hey, wives, you've been given a significant assignment. Hey, child of God, you've been Given some significant assignments. You've been assigned to be a prayer warrior. You've been assigned to be in the Word. You've been assigned to be a witness. And you've been assigned to do a great work. Some of you here in the church, you're thinking, man, I'm not doing a great work. The only thing I'm doing is working in this preschool. No, that's a significant work. All I'm doing, pastor, is volunteering with VBS. That's not that big a deal. No, it's a significant work. All I'm doing, pastor is, is is helping out in Awanas every now and then. Hey, that's a significant work. You say, pastor, all I'm doing is teaching a grow group. It's a significant work. All I'm doing is standing in the parking lot. It's a significant work. All I'm doing is handing out a bulletin. It's a significant work. All I'm doing is smiling at people and telling them, welcome to Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. It's a significant work. Whatever God has called you to, whatever the sovereign has called you to, it is a significant work. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that you don't allow the enemy to tell you that the work God's called you to is insignificant because when you stand before the Lord one day you'll be glad you didn't quit. You'll be glad you didn't give up. You'll be glad you finished the job. Nehemiah's assignment. Secondly, notice Nehemiah's adversaries. Now we met these guys back in chapter four. Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And these old boys have now heard that this wall is about finished. The only thing Nehemiah needs to do is hang the gates on it. And they are not reaching out to Nehemiah so that they can have a friendly conversation, although that's how they package it. Notice what they do. In verse two it says, Sanballat and Geshem they sent a messenger to Nehemiah saying this, let us just meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. I've heard many preachers as they preach this text say this, that when Samballad and Geshem invited Nehemiah down to Ono, Nehemiah said, oh no, I'm not going to Ono. But notice with me a couple of things about this this adversary. Notice, first of all, their purpose. Sembalan and Tobiah realize now that their past strategies have failed. They're trying to make fun of the people of God to cause them to quit, failed. Their intimidation tactics to cause them to quit, failed. They've underestimated Nehemiah. They've underestimated the God of Nehemiah. They thought that in their numerical strength somehow they could Harass the people of God enough to get them to quit. And that was their purpose, to put a stop to the work of God and to put a stop to the man of God. Notice the last part of verse two. But they thought to do me mischief. You may have a verse that says, they, they thought to do me harm. Now theologians have debated that word mischief. And some even suggest that that phrase is a euphemism for murder that what Sanballat and Geshem really had in their heart when they invited Nehemiah to come down to the plains of Ono, what they had in their heart was really to assassinate him. That they really wanted to just take him out. It says in the last part, he thought to do me mischief. But I I love how they package this, man. It just, it's just like the devil. They they subtly package this. Can, Can you hear this letter and this message that they get? Come. Nehemiah, I know maybe we got off on the wrong foot a couple of chapters ago. I know maybe we didn't have the best start of our relationship. But let's just come together and have a conversation. Let's just come together and have a summit, if you will, so that we can talk about these things. It's kind of like when you're a preacher and you got people that don't halfway come and they're the ones that want to talk to you about something. You know what I say to them? I'm doing a great work. I ain't coming down off the wall. Now, if you come all the time and you got something you want to talk to me about, I, hey, let's, let's, let's talk. You show up half the time, you don't do nothing. You don't give nothing. I don't know what you give anyway, but I can tell by the look on your face when I talk about it, if you do or not. And you want not come meet with me? And gripe about something and you don't come, you don't serve, you you don't do nothing. And you want to meet with me, you know what I'm going to say? Oh no, I ain't coming down to, oh no. I'm not coming down to where you are. You know why? Because there's a lot of people that have good intentions They want to sit down and figure out how to improve their walk with Jesus. There's a lot of people that want to sit down and pray over their marriage. There's a lot of people that want to sit down and and wonder how to have an effective prayer life and how to have an effective uh, uh, study time in the Word of God. There's a lot of people that really want to grow in the discipleship and and they want to grow in their walk with Jesus. Well, I got time to come down off the wall to deal with somebody that thinks that it's a little bit too warm in here. Then don't come anyway. All right, that's just therapy for me, all right? That's just therapy. It ain't spiritual, it's just therapeutic. But they're subtle, they're so subtle. I'd just like to talk to you. Let's just get together and talk for a few minutes. The enemy is so subtle. But Nehemiah, he says, I ain't coming down. I talked about this in the first service. He says, I'm up here on this wall doing a work for God. And I'm not coming down. I would encourage you, if you're going to have to come down to somebody else's level to take that new job, why are you going to come down off the wall? Why are you going to stoop down on somebody else's level? He said, I ain't coming down. Because the purpose of their invitation was to destroy Nehemiah. The purpose of the invitation was to destroy the work of God. And when the enemy comes by and whispers to you, hey listen, it seems pretty reasonable to just go and have a conversation with these guys, right? And the enemy will make it look like it's a It's a non-threatening situation here, Nehemiah. Let's just have a conversation. But when you enter into a dialogue with the devil, trouble is coming. Eve was the first one to try that. She entered into a dialogue with the devil and then trouble came. And it seems so innocent. Why don't we just, let's just go out one time. I know you ain't a believer, but let's just go out one time. I can have an influence on you if we go out just one time. Well, well, I can't go out with her either. I'm going to go out with her. Right? I, I just, I just want to, I can't have an influence on you if I don't go out with you. The subtlety of the enemy. Because his purpose is to destroy you. I not only see his purpose, but notice his Persistence. says, he came unto me in verse four. They sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Nehemiah says, listen, you come at me four times, but I ain't quitting. I ain't quitting. I ain't coming down off the wall. I'm not quitting. I don't care how persistent you are. I ain't coming down off the wall. Now, there's people in here right now that can attest to what I am about to say to you. We moved to this community the summer of my eighth grade year. I am going to Wren High School as a ninth grader. I didn't know one person at Wren High School. But my father knew Gary Brown, Barbara Brown's husband, and Gary Brown convinced me that I should go out for the football team and meet some guys before school started, and it'd be a good way for me to meet some guys before school started. All right, this is without debate. This is, this is undebatable. I am, to this day, the worst football player that has ever put on a uniform in the history of JV football at Rand High School. It ain't even close. I was terrible. I'd never played. The only reason I played is to meet some people. And I hope he's watching this morning by way of live stream. But I still, have y'all noticed, Leave in the first service this morning, I said about the fifth Sunday offering in July, I said, there's five months in the month of July. And everybody looked at me funny, and I didn't know what I'd said wrong. And it's because... When I was in the ninth grade, nobody knew what concussion protocol was. People like Jason Metz, I hope you're watching, Jason. He almost killed me. David Gilreath is right there. He's probably almost killed me too. I almost died. Every day. And I remember after doing a a drill one day that I really, I went unconscious a couple of times. And I'm standing over there going, and I hear, Campbell, get back. (laughs) I got in the car with my dad after practice. And I said, I ain't coming back. I'm done. I can take you to the spot on Highway 81 well, my daddy looked at me and he said, son, you can do a lot of things, but quitting ain't one of them. And I wanted to quit so bad I could taste it, man. I mean, I, I, I was du- But I thank God for a daddy that said, you ain't quitting, son. I'm gonna teach you something right now. Now, I didn't, I didn't play my sophomore year and I did not play my junior year and I did not play my senior year. I was D-O-N-E done. But I had a father that instilled in me, you don't quit. you got a heavenly father that when the enemy is persistent in time and time and time again. How, how many times you think after that conversation, I wanted to quit? I can tell you every day. But I wasn't going to. It wasn't an option. Nehemiah had a heavenly father that had assigned him a task. And regardless of the persistence of the enemy, Nehemiah was not going to back down from that task. Listen, it even goes on in verse five and says, Sanballat his servant said unto me in like manner, the fifth time. Over and over and over and over, the enemy came to Nehemiah and said, throw in the towel, Nehemiah. It ain't worth it. And Nehemiah answered the exact same way every single time. I'm doing a great work. Why should I come down from the wall and, the, and this work cease? I am going to finish the job. And I'd say to you this morning, child of God, if God's called you to it, he has equipped you for it and you can finish the job. There's Nehemiah's assignment. Nehemiah's adversaries. But let's finish right here. Nehemiah's accomplishments. You know, Nehemiah finished this wall in 52 days. You talk about a miracle of God? Look at verse 15. So the wall was finished. In the 25th and day of the month of Elo, in fifty in two days. No way you can do this, Nehemiah. You're you're right. I can't. But I got one in me that can. Nehemiah was on assignment from the sovereign. Nehemiah was on an assignment that was significant. And now the task was complete. Days of disappointment, no doubt. Days of dismay, for sure. Days of discouragement, very likely. But Nehemiah didn't get into this to start it. Nehemiah got into this to finish it. Because anybody can quit. We've been called to finish the job if you've been here any period of time you know one of my favorite verses is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 for I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but who lives where he lives in the believer He's he's everywhere at the same time can you believe that Paul said, Christ lives in me. So if Christ lives in you, and if you're a believer, he does. Let me promise you a couple of things. First of all, he ain't a quitter. He had a job to do, and he finished the job. They brought him into a kangaroo courtroom Lied about him. He could have destroyed every one of them in that little courtroom. In the outer court, he could have destroyed every one of them. We just... But he had a job to do. He'd been assigned a task by the father and he wasn't going to quit. They tied him to the whipping post and they strapped his back. But he didn't quit because he'd been assigned a task. They put that Roman cross across his back and he began to march up Golgotha's hill and he fell down on his knees at one time. And he could have quit, but he didn't quit because he'd been assigned a task by the Father. When they got him to the top of the hill, they laid that cross out and he stretched his precious arms out on that cross and endured the nails in his hands and in his feet and then they hoisted him up and suspended him between heaven and earth. And he could have called 10,000 angels, but he wasn't gonna quit because he had been assigned a task by the Father. Man, I'm I'm about to have a spell right now. He had been assigned a task by the Father. he was there suspended between heaven and earth. He said, tetelesteia. It is finished. The redemption work that he had been assigned to do by the Father, he finished it. And I don't know about you, hey dad, you've been assigned a task, man. Let's finish the job. Hey husband, we've been assigned a task. Let's finish the job. Hey mom, you've been assigned a task. Let's finish the job. Hey wife, you've been assigned a task. Let's finish the job. Hey, grow group leader, you've been finished, you've been assigned a task. Finish the job. Hey, greeter, you've been assigned a task. Finish the job. Hey, choir member, you've been assigned a task. Finish the job. Child of God, you've been assigned a task, whatever it may be. Let's not allow the enemy to come in and subdue us and distract us. Let's put our foot on the solid rock of ages and don't quit. Let's finish the job. And it is my prayer that not only you individually would not quit and finish the job, but for us here at Mount Pisgah corporately, that we'd keep our hands to the plow we wouldn't quit and we wouldn't get distracted and we'd see God finish the job well you've been given an assignment what assignment has he given you well child of God let me just give you a few if you're here this morning you're a child of God you've been assigned a task you've been assigned to be a person of prayer you've been commanded to pray when you pray not if you pray when you pray how's that task going you've been assigned to be a person of the word how's that task going you've been assigned to be a witness to the lost and dying world that is all around us you've been assigned a task how's it going Hey, for all of us dads in here, we've been assigned the task to lead our children, to lead our family. How are we doing? Are there days you get discouraged? Better believe it. Days you get distracted? Better believe it. Nehemiah had some days he got discouraged and some days he got distracted because the enemy so desired that. But he always found himself back on the job. Today, let's get back on the job and finish the job. Don't quit. Let's finish. We're going to stand to our feet and have a song of invitation. I wonder how many would join me in an altar this morning and say, Lord, that that you've called me to, I want to finish the job. I want to finish well. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.